So today on the podcast, I am joined by Samantha. Samantha, do you want to give us a little bit of an intro into in terms of like what you do, what your business is, how you got here today? Give us a kind of whistle-stop tour. Okay, uh, where do I begin? <laughs> okay, so I am an online business manager and I work with mostly um, course uh, coaches and service providers and a few course creators. And basically what I do is I help them set up systems and operations in their business so that they can grow to their first six figures and beyond and really set up their business to be able to scale um, in a very simple way. Because I think a lot of times we hear like the word systems and operations and we immediately think like, oh, that is, you know, way a little bit intimidating. I have no idea what that really means. And, you know, it's, there's a lot going on and I have to be, you know, this MBA type of person to understand that. And, and that's really not true. You know, the way we operate our business, we already are running on a lot of systems in general. Systems are just how we do the things we do. So what I do is I go into a business and I, you know, look at what they're already doing and then look at how we can optimize it so we can get the CEO's time back and we can make it easier for, you know, hiring a team and really, you know, whatever their goals are in the future, whether that's to, you know, grow a mastermind or, you know, scale a course or, you know, start a podcast even, we really look at the business as a whole and say, okay, how can we simplify certain areas of the business and so we can expand into other areas of the business. Amazing. And how did you end up doing this work? So it's actually a funny story. I actually have a degree in biochemistry. So I started out, um, I went to university. I'm from Oklahoma in the United States, which is like a very, very you know small state. I didn't know anyone growing up who was like an entrepreneur or who worked online. So I had no idea this world even existed. And um, after I graduated, I just made the choice that I didn't want to continue like, you know, going into a graduate program at the time or working in a nine to five. I decided I wanted to just take a year and go travel. And I had a friend who was doing a master's program in Barcelona, Spain. And so I went with her and I was able to like live with her and I started teaching English online to make money. Um, and while I was doing that, I actually really hated that job and I wasn't doing it very much. I was only doing it, I think like two or three hours a day. So I had so much free time. I just started kind of going down this Google rabbit hole of, you know, how do I make more money? How do I work online? I was like, surely there's other ways to, you know, make money besides just teaching English. And I stumbled upon a course, uh, how to become a virtual assistant Typical webinar fun funnel, like I've literally set up, you know, so many of these now looking back, it's kind of funny that that's, you know, what got me into this online world. And I watched the webinar, I bought the course, I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. It seems, you know, kind of easy enough. I think I can do it. And I just started working. I worked for free for like the first six months or very, very, very cheap. And I just really was focusing on learning as much as I could because, you know, like I said, I have a, I had a degree in biochemistry. I didn't know anything about online business, online marketing. I had no experience in any of this type of, you know, industry. And so I just worked as much as I could. I learned as much as I could. I YouTubed as much as I could. And I eventually started to, you know, get on, take on clients and get actual paying clients and then when the pandemic hit, um, I, my business actually kind of like took off from there because I started like, I think six months before the pandemic hit. So um, I kind of had set myself up for just like a really good, you know, takeoff from there. 
And yeah, I just kind of grew into be more of a managerial role. I ended up taking more programs and courses and learning about, you know, management and systems and how to run businesses, especially online businesses and build funnels and, you know, all of that stuff now. And it's been almost four years. So I think it's going okay so far. I mean, I would say more than that, but I think so many of us have been down that Google rabbit hole of like how to make money. Oh, virtual assistant. That's exactly what I did. Um, and I think so many people listening will be like, oh, yeah, I did that too. Um, I want to just pick up on what you said about working for free or for cheap for the first six months, because I mean, that's hard, right? It's hard to put a lot of work in and to be investing money in your business or yourself and to not be getting paid in return for that did you struggle with that or was that like did you know it was going to pay off in the end like tell me tell me how that was working yeah that was like actually very very difficult and I never really like talked about this but when I first started the course um I was barely making enough money to really like cover my bills and expenses at the time so that's kind of why I was looking for something else and I I think I expected when I started more of a quicker payoff of like, oh, I'm going to start this and then I'm going to, you know, you see all the success stories out there. Like I'm going to be making $3,000 a month extra and, you know, this and that, and it's going to be almost easy. And that was not the case at all. And kind of what I did with myself was I, you know, kind of sat myself down. I was like, is this something that I want to do and want to pursue? Like once I realized that this was not going to just be like, oh, I'm going to watch a video on how to write a blog. And then suddenly I'm going to have like 10 blog clients. Um, and I was like, okay, if it is something I want to do and it's something like I can see myself, you know, doing in the future, then I'm going to give myself a year to do it and to pursue it. And, you know, whatever happens in the next year, I'm just going to keep trying basically. And once I kind of had that talk with myself and I realized, okay, this, you know, maybe I will have to work for free and do some internships or work for like very, very, you know, cheap, um, that's just going to be part of the journey, but I'm going to at least try for a year and see my goal was to be making $3,000 a month in by the end of the year. And there was so many times when I thought like, that's not going to be possible. And like for me, like I couldn't even have like imagined that, you know, amount almost coming in at sometimes. And then there was times when I was like, Oh, I got this. Like I'm doing all the things I'm applying to roles. I'm, you know, having discovery calls and stuff like that. So it was just, it was a lot of learning how to be kind of like a resilient in a sense of how to keep trying, even when like, you know, there's rejection, there was a lot of rejection. And when you don't know something and how to be a problem solver, you know, in a sense as well of, okay, I, you know, a client wants this, I don't necessarily know how to do that, but I think I can figure it out type of, you know, mentality. It takes a lot of self-trust, I think, because it would be very easy in that situation to think this is way too much hard work it looks like it was going to be a quicker turnaround than this I'm just going to go and get some other job and I think I mean I don't know who was around you and what they thought at the time but I think a lot of people looking at that situation would be like why are you working for free like why are you putting yes. something else? <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I think it requires a lot of trust in yourself to be like no I believe this is what I should be doing do you have yeah. any tips for people who are in a similar position yeah. And I will say like, uh, there was a big, um, component of it was like, I didn't really have a lot of options. So I think if I was like, I was still living abroad during most of that time that I was working. So that really limited my options in the sense of like getting jobs and stuff like that. So that was a huge component was I kind of put myself in that situation of, okay, it's either like 
you know, this or move back home. And, but there was not, there was no one around me that I knew that was doing anything like this. So that was like a huge, also, you know, kind of con and a huge mindset shift. Um, Some things that really helped me through that is I think really giving myself that timeline helped a lot because um, anytime I felt like, oh, I just need to give up. I would just tell myself, okay, well, I'm only trying this for a year anyway. So like, I might as well just keep going. And then after a year I can quit basically. Like I just kept saying like, oh, well, you know, in October, 2020, then that's my cutoff and I'm going to quit then. And then that would like roll around. And then I kind of did that again, like for another six months and another six months where I was like, well, I'm only going to do this for six more months. And I think having that timeline almost helped in the sense of it made things less serious. And it was just like, okay, we'll just do it. And then you could kind of figure it out later. Um, The other thing that really helped was, you know, getting more involved in like a community aspect and just really making the effort to meet other people online um, and work in teams and yeah, make those connections and, you know, show up like on Instagram and stuff like that. Because I think that was a huge, I was, it became very lonely for a while where I was like, I was the only person doing this. I didn't know anyone else from Oklahoma or like in my immediate family or friends. So when you have people to kind of like fall back on that, understand exactly what you do, what you're doing, I think that helps a lot, but it does take effort as well in the sense of you have to, you know, put effort in to make those connections and not just gonna, you know, come to you um, all the time. And yeah, yeah, I think one other tip, um, is just learning how to just kind of get over yourself in a sense of, it's not that like you, there's so many things you can do with your life. And, you know, even if you don't know what you want to do in the next three to five years, that's okay. If you just want to focus on like, you know, what you want to do in the next six months or the next year, if you don't have a why, you know, that's fine. Like I didn't have a why when I first started out and people would talk about having a why and, you know, having this bigger purpose and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm missing something. I need to like dive deeper into this. And I need to, you know, express this more. And then I just realized like, what's the point? If I want to do this, I can, I can do this just because I want to. And, you know, I just need to get over that mindset of like, I need to be bigger than I am almost to be successful. I can just, you know, focus on this for a while. And eventually the time comes where you'd probably do have to, you know, dive into that more as you grow and scale, but you're already hitting a different level anyway. So it makes more sense the more you grow. This is such good advice. I think um, there's a lot of people who see the online space and it's like, oh, make six figures in three months or I made 10K in a day. And it's all this kind of like excitement around numbers, which on one hand I love because it shows you what's possible and motivates you. But I do think on the other hand, it can make those people who don't see the instant financial success feel like they're doing something wrong or maybe they should give up. And I think this is the perfect example of actually sometimes you've got to put a lot of work in without getting much in return before those returns are then going to come in the future. And I love that you you stuck it out because it's hard. It's it's really challenging. But I want to know, did you reach that income goal that you were aiming for? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I reached it like um, eight months in. So I think I worked for, it was like, it was very much like I put in a lot of work and then it was just kind of like a switch almost flipped where it was like, everything started clicking. And then I literally took on, you know, several new clients in the course of a few months. And I hit like my first 5k month. Um, I think I, when the year 
hey, I was hitting around like five to six K months at that time. So I almost been pretty much doubled it, um, doubled my goal, which was amazing. And, you know, last year I was able to grow my business to um, six figures, which, you know, took me three years. And I think, but a lot of times people don't see that. Like, you're totally right. There is just this like whole in the online space, this whole conversation about, oh, you can just make money super quickly. And I think that's where you kind of have to like put your head down and just have your own journey. And, you know, and there's a lot of work that goes into that behind the scenes, because I could also say, oh, I didn't really, really try to start getting clients. But then when, once I tried to start getting clients, I made, you know, I got three new clients in two months or something. Um, but I had been working for like six months before that. So it's all about how you, I think, spin your own narrative in a sense. Um, and people don't see like that all of that work that goes in, you know, before that, even if it doesn't have anything to do with that specific result, there is so many lessons you learn along your whole journey. I totally agree. I always used to say, you know, when I hit my six figure year, people would be like, oh my God, that was quick. Like it was like an overnight success. And I was just thinking, no, that was like 10 years in the making. Like, <laughs> That's how I felt too. I was like, this took long enough. <laughs> so that's six figures. I want to just pick up on that because I think a lot of people who are service providers working with their clients quite closely, they believe six figures is not for them. They think, oh, it's only the coaches that make six and seven figures. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I totally understand because I definitely had the same mindset for like the first, basically until I started, you know, I was able to actually like see those results myself or break down how it would be possible for me, because I think it is hard as a service provider. You really want to dedicate a lot of time to your clients and, you know, you want to provide you know, a good service, which typically includes, you know, having, a, if you, especially if you work one-on-one -on -one with clients like I do. Um, but I would say the key to, you know, hitting those six figures is really like diversifying your offers having those high ticket offers, I think is super important. I think as a service provider, it's going to be insanely hard to hit six figures off of creating like a $47 template or something, because that's not really what you're known for. Um, but if you do have like one or two really, really solid, like high ticket offers that you are able to systemize yourself and make the process easy for you to implement and for your clients to, or for you to provide results to your clients, I guess it makes it so much easier. So how I grew to six figures was I was working just solely like one-on-one -on -one retainer work. And then I started implementing um, like a VIP day type offer where I was, it was more of a week situation, but where I was working with someone for a shorter amount of time at a higher ticket. And I would go in and implement um, the systems that they basically needed to set like set up their business so that they could continue growing. Um, and most of these clients were at the space where they didn't need a one-on-one -on -one retainer. They didn't needed OBM, you know, longer term. They were just hitting like their first 10K months, or maybe they a lot of them were working nine to five still while trying to grow their business and they just didn't have time to do this stuff themselves as they were growing. So I would go in, implement all these systems and then you know train them how to use them, give them a few weeks of like Slack support get them going. And then they were fine from then on out. And maybe they hired like an assistant, a virtual assistant to help them, you know, kind of manage it, but it started working really well. And I just started getting a lot of referrals for that. I have really tweaked it. That's now like my signature service that I offer um, for basically any client coming to work with me is like this 30 day system sprint, I call it now, but I started with that and I've just tweaked it over the past year 
And that's really how I've been able to, you know, stack my income and diversify my offers where I'm not spending a lot of time necessarily doing um, one-on-one client work. And I do still have a few retainers um, on the side for clients that I really love working with, but uh, it's allowed me to have my hands in a few different buckets and bring in different sources of income. Yeah, I, I think people tend to complicate this. They think, oh my gosh, like, I'm exchanging hours for money. I've got no more time left. There's no way I'm ever going to reach that 10K month mark or six figure mark. But actually, I think this is such a good example of just making it really simple. Just stopping and being like, actually, what do these clients need from me? They don't need this ongoing retainer. They need this more intensive thing that they come in and then they leave again. And actually, when you put it like that, it's so simple, but also totally understandable why somebody would pay for that. Right. Like it's a service that you would want, that I would want even. Um, what is the cost of your kind of VIP week? Yeah, it depends. Um, now I do more of like custom pricing. So I started it out at um, 1500 to 2000 And then now it's in, anywhere between 2000 and 3500 depending on how many systems we're setting up and like what the total, um, you know, amount of work that is needed. But it's, it's true. Like it is just making it simple. And I think another thing I see with a lot of service providers, especially virtual assistants and um, OBMs, where you have a lot of things that you can offer is trying to offer too many things. And I did that too, where I had like six different packages and really what was the difference between them? Like maybe one or two things. And I was like, okay, this is too much. My audience doesn't even understand what I'm trying to sell them. Like, how can I squeeze all of this into like one to two services where it's very obvious, like what the difference is. And it's mostly, I think with service providers, you can just do tiers. Like you can have one main service and then have like a a higher level service for someone who needs more support. And then maybe a lower level one for someone who needs less. And so that's what I have in my business now, where I have that signature system sprint, which is like, anywhere from 2K to three and a half K. I have a higher one, which is an evergreen sprint where that is um, 3.5K and above. And that's for more like funnel building, like more of people for entrepreneurs who have multi six figure businesses and have a lot going on. And then I also have just like an intensive call for around $500 where just the call, we're mapping things out. I'm not necessarily doing any like implementation work, but I'm helping you see exactly what need you need to do in your business. So if you can diversify your offers in that sense as well, not in the sense of, okay, I need to add more offers, but how can I take what my audience needs and then make it, you know, tier stack it where I have several different income budget options that is going to really make it super easy for your audience to understand what you're doing. And it's going to make it a lot easier for you to actually sell your service as well. And do you find it stops you from hitting that maximum like amount of time as well? Because this is another thing that service providers always struggle with is, you know, you've only got so much time in the day. Do you find that having those different offers and different ways of working stops you from kind of maxing out your time? Yeah, I think it definitely can. Um, one thing I'm really working on in my business is systemizing my offers more. So I think what how you kind of get over that like time income is obviously you hire, you know, right. So if I am building a team, I'm hiring people to help me implement these offers. Um, But to be able to hire, you have to have these systems in place where it's very obvious, like for the team member, what is going on, what I'm doing in someone else's business, you know, what I'm outsourcing um, to them and how that fits into the bigger picture. So, and what I mean by systemizing an offer is like, as a service writer, we don't think about this very much is like, what are you doing? Like, you know, if it's kind of like with coaches, you have 
oh, you know, a mastermind and we're going to walk through these three stages or my, you know, signature method. It's the same idea, um, but you're just doing it as a service provider. And I think service providers can get hung up on this because it's like, well, I work differently with every client. Like my service is really customized or personalized or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but there's probably like, you could probably generalize a few things and like say, okay, I'm going to, for example, for my service, the first step is we're going to strategize. Doesn't matter what, how you're working with me. That's always the first step. We're always going to have a strategy call. Second step is always going to be like building or implementation step. Um, doesn't matter what we're building really it could be anything. And then the third step is going to be integration because after you build something, you have to integrate it into your business. So those three steps are my systems. And then now that I have that mapped out and I can start mapping out like the processes for this, it's going to be a lot easier for me to hire help if I wanted to hire a tech VA to come in and say, okay, I'm not actually going to be building, you know, putting the contracts in Dubsado. I'm going to have a VA do that for me because that's going to save me a lot of time. And so it's more about looking where your time is really, really needed um, once you get to that that stage and then how you can outsource in a way that like really makes the most sense for you and is going to save you a lot of time. Um, but it's also not really going to impact your clients because I don't think my clients care if I'm the one specifically putting a contract into Dubsado, but they do care if I'm the one like on that strategy call or in Slack communicating back and forth and answering questions. And what would you say your next kind of big goal is now that you've hit that that financial goal that you had and business has grown so much, what's your next goal? My next goal is um, definitely my goal this year was to hit 200K or is to hit 200K. Um, that's a huge goal for me and hit those like 15K, 20K months. Um, and to be able to do that, I am definitely working a lot more on visibility because I think I have more of the like systems offer streamline. And so now that next stage is like getting a bigger audience, like getting in touch with more people, sharing more about my services and my expertise. And, you know, that's a very new stage for me as a service provider. I don't think we think a lot about that as a service provider either is like going on podcasts and, you know, writing blogs for, uh, or, you know, for press and, you know, potentially running Facebook ads or building an email list and, you know, really actually acting like a I have a business rather than like, oh, I'm just, you know, providing this service and, you know, that's all I kind of need. And so diversifying that way as well in terms of, you know, getting more visibility out there. I also am launching a course with a friend um, later this year. So really kind of opening a new facet of my business and more of the like education and teaching space, um, which I'm really excited about as well. And so you know, that's where it just kind of comes, you know, full circle in the sense of you can, just because I have built a business as a service provider, that doesn't mean I can't, you know, diversify my business as well and open different facets of it and go into different spaces to help support my goals. Yeah, hundred percent. And I love that you've also touched there on the fact that a lot of service providers have this thought that they don't run a proper business I hear this all the time like oh yes. I'm just a service provider it's not and that was me business. for years like <laughs> I'm, I'm calling myself out there <laughs> and what do you think the change was so going from that to now believing that you have a proper business what shifted I think it was just it was a huge mindset shift I think for a long time I 
you know, didn't want to talk about my business. And it was a huge thing of just where I'm from, like being from Oklahoma and, you know, my friends and family, not that they're not supportive, they are, but they just don't understand. They don't know what I do. Um, They don't understand this, you know, online space. And so it was like, I just played small for a long time. And I was just like, oh, I have this kind of like a side hustle. Like I treated my business like a side hustle. And it was just one day I, it was almost like I had to just decide like, okay, either I'm going to, you know, go full send and I'm going to treat this like a business. It was around when I was hitting seven to eight K months and I was like very, very tapped out and starting to burn out um, from working. I was doing a lot of like copywriting and just implementation work. And I was like, okay, I either need to make this a business and like start structuring it like a business where I am going to structure it to scale. And I'm going to, you know, raise my prices. I'm going to get on Instagram more. I'm going to, you know, attract a new type of client. I'm really going to go for it or I'm not. And I'm just going to be at this level and I'm going to, you know, continue. And I'm just going to continue down this path. And once I just decided like, okay, I am going to step into that next level. That was when things really, really shifted. And I started taking action. It wasn't just a decision. It was also like taking action of, okay, I'm setting up my business differently. I'm going to invest in um, more support. Like I'm going to invest in a coach and um, or join a mastermind or whatever. And that was when, with that intentional action, that was when things just really started to grow. And I hit my first 10K months and I hit, you know, 10K months pretty consistently after that as well. And you know, a different type of client started to come to me. I started showing up a different way on social media. I started, I had to get over the fact that, you know, I had an audience of people who maybe didn't understand. And I had to start getting in front of an audience who did understand, um, and like really shifting that and my content and stuff and stop being, you know, scared to put myself out there in that sense. Um, and it is still scary sometimes. Like, it's not that I am not, you know, completely over that, but I think it just is once you just start doing it, it becomes, you realize how, how not scary it actually is. Like how little the fear actually, like living that fear actually is, it doesn't affect you as much as you think it would. Yeah. I really think fear is one of those things that until you've done the thing, the fear doesn't go away. And the more you avoid the thing, the bigger the fear gets. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, we make it such a big like scary thing in our mind that it was just even posting on Instagram for me I did a post on Instagram for like the first year I was working online or maybe a year and a half and it was just because I was scared to put myself out there that way and then I was like okay I'm just gonna do one post and I did and you know the world went on the world didn't burn down you know people were happy for me actually like it was you know it was such a I was like, oh, I really hyped this up in my mind and that's a hundred percent not how this turned out at all. So, you know, maybe I need to just uh, kind of put that in the back corner for now. (laughs) I mean, you might have touched on this question already, but I would love to hear about what your biggest challenges have been so far in business. Oh, that's such a good question. I think my biggest challenges have definitely been with my own mindset and you know, I think as all entrepreneurs probably are, I ignored mindset for a long time. And, you know, I truly believe now it's like 90% mindset, like 10% strategy or, you know, 5% strategy, 5% execution, however you want to say it, but it's majority mindset. And I had a huge thing around imposter syndrome for a really long time in my business. And I never really addressed it um, until, you know, this past year of, I 
because I didn't have any experience in business, I felt like I was not ever measuring up in the sense, or I always had so much to learn and so much, you know, I was always so far behind. I had so much to catch up on. And I wasn't until I really started looking at like, wow, what is actually catch up mean? Like what, what level am I really trying to reach here? Um, to be able to kind of call myself an expert that I was like, oh, well, I actually do know quite a lot. Like I have learned a lot in the past few years. And, you know, I actually started coaching in a mastermind. Um, and that really helped with that, like confidence boost of, oh, I do know more than like pretty much all of these people about this specific topic. Cause they're asking me questions and like, I can answer them very easily. So it, really was a huge imposter syndrome thing. It was a lot of mindset work. I think that was my, definitely my biggest challenges. And yeah, a lot of work around like being seen and showing up and, you know, not thinking about all those people that are different from me and a lot of comparison as well, that kind of goes into that imposter syndrome of, oh, well, I'm not where they are. I don't know how to do what they do, or I'm not marketing myself like them. And so I'm not going to be successful there's so many of these like fears that kind of pop up day to day. And it was really just learning how to address those and like overcome those and really just starting doing like more daily mindset work and watching my own thoughts and, you know, putting my head down a bit where that was like a huge challenge that took me years. Um, and it's still something I'm working on now for sure. But that overcoming that was what really has made my life more peaceful. And I mean, I wouldn't say it's, it's made my business grow as well but it's overall, it's made my life just more peaceful and it's made me enjoy my business more. Oh, I love that. And I totally agree with you. I think mindset is just, it is the thing that will make or break you, unfortunately. And I mean, <laughs> yes, you can have the best strategy in the world, but if your head is in a total different place, it's just going to make it so hard. And I see this so often where people are getting in their own way and they think that the reason they're not successful is because of the industry or the financial situation right now, or just all these other things that are going on in life. And actually a lot of it is coming from themselves. It's self-sabotage. And um, I think you're totally right that that mindset work is really key. Um, I have one final question for you. This is more of a, a personal one because I'm curious. Do you ever think about what your life would have been like if you continued down the biochemistry route? Oh my gosh, I love this question because I was actually just talking with my boyfriend about this this weekend. <laughs> so that's so funny you asked. But yeah, of course, I, of course, I think about that sometimes. I think um, especially with entrepreneurship, it can be so difficult uh, to, because it, it is a choice every day, right? Like we're choosing to wake up and like work on our businesses and put ourselves out there and, you know, continue down this path. And it's the harder choice, in my opinion, to do it. It's like, I, you know, I'm not married, but you know, they kind of say marriage is a choice as well. And I believe that, like, I'm like, you're choosing to wake up. It's like, work, devote your energy and your time to this thing that you don't know if it's going to work out or not. Like there's no guarantees. Right. Um, and I think sometimes when I'm feeling really down or I'm like, man, this, this is hard. I'm like, oh, well, life would have been so much easier. It's like, that's like the easy route in my mind of, oh, if I could have just, you know, if I would have went back to school and um, I would have done this and I would just work a normal job now and I would live in Oklahoma maybe, and, you know, probably be dating a different person. Cause now I live in the Netherlands um, with my boyfriend who's Dutch. So it's, it would be a completely different life. And sometimes it almost looks like the easy life. But then when I really think about it, I'm like, oh, wow, I would 
be so miserable almost in that life. I would be missing so many things about my life that I love now. A lot of the freedoms, a lot of, you know, the travel, the, um, I love, you know, being able to make money as an entrepreneur. I love being able to pursue different types of passions. And it's a part of myself that I didn't even know about until I started exploring it when I, you know, started my business. And I just think about how I would be missing that now and how unfulfilled I would be. And I would just be like going with the status quo. And, you know, just because it is the easiest choice doesn't mean it's, you know, the right choice. It's like that, the road less followed, I guess. But of course I think about it. And then it's always like a reminder of like, kind of, I try to use it as a reminder of like all the things I love about my life now that I wouldn't have if I would have continued that path. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Just thinking that one different decision, you could be in a total different place. Like we never would have had this conversation. And I think it's a really good way, like you said, just to be grateful and be like, you know what, this is hard sometimes. And I do sometimes wish that I had a conventional job where I got to switch off at 5 PM, but actually the good things that come with it are worth the stress that it brings sometimes. Yeah, no, totally. And it is just like having that mindset and acknowledging, like, I think a big part of it is being like, yeah, this is hard. Like, It's not easy. <laughs> and that's okay. Like, it, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes it is easy. You know, sometimes you have weeks where you're like on top of the world and you're like, oh, this is all just flowing and it's great. And other weeks you're like, nothing is working and I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's just learning how to, like you said, kind of like a lot of self-trust of learning how to like trust yourself through all of that time um, Mm -hmm. and just leaning into that. 100%. Well, where can people come and connect with you if they want to come and say hi? Yeah, you can come and say hi to me on Instagram. I am at samwiz. It's S-A-M-W-H-I-Z-Z-Z. And I also have a free systems quiz if you are interested in anything I talked about with systems um, on the podcast that is in the link in my bio. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been such a good conversation. And it's always so nice to speak to someone who has been through a lot of the things that I know the people who listen have been through, but has come out the other side. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was, it's always so great.